It's ridiculous. All right, um, I'm going to give you a heads up here. So what's going to happen this morning, I'm going to start my sermon about halfway through the text, uh, Luke 11, 5 through 13, about halfway through, the sermon is going to derail into a rabbit trail, but it's okay, that's in my notes to do that. The reason why it's doing that is because that's what happened as I was studying this week. I was going along through the sermon, and it derailed into a rabbit trail. And I'm going to be honest with you, the rabbit trail is personal, okay? So if none of you had showed up today, which I'm so excited that there's, I've got a room full of people, but if none of you had showed up today, I'd be preaching the same service, the same sermon. I just have a mirror right there. I'd be preaching it at myself, okay? Because I know that this is something that I need to hear. There's things that God is working on in me, and so I'm sharing some of that's where the derailing is going to happen, okay? So I'm going to pray before I start, and then we're going to jump into Luke chapter 11. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this day. One more time, we want to thank you for that. Thank you that we're here. Thank you that we're breathing and that we're aware of your presence, Lord. We thank you that we are aware that you are the same God that was there back then, the same God who is there today, that you do not change. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we'd ask now that you would truly fill us up with your spirit this morning. God, that you would guide and direct the very words that come out of my mouth to the, to, to the hearts that are receptive to those words. Lord, we ask that the end result would be you spoke to us today. Lord, that's our hope. That's our prayer. Lord, for the miracle of the Spirit of God speaking to his people today. Lord, we pray and ask that you would do that. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're in Luke chapter 11. Two weeks ago, we talked about the disciples said, how do we pray? And I just went through, I don't know if anybody was here for that, I think most of you were, talking about how to pray. I, my hope in that one was that we walked away, and if you were like, oh, man, I have a hard time praying, knowing what to say, knowing what to do, I'm, I'm hoping that from that message, there was at least some element that you walked away and said, I can do this, right? I can do this. It, it doesn't have to be elaborate or elegant or any of those sorts of things. The Lord just says, here's what you do. You're talking to your father, and he went through that. So that was two weeks ago. This week... That answer is actually being continued. So the disciples said, teach us to pray. He said that part, but then he didn't stop talking. So there was more to that answer besides just the structure, the words. Here's some ideas of things you can pray. There was more than that, and he went on to say more from that thing. And he goes into a story that I want you to know is meant to be a little bit humorous. Okay? So let's take a look at it. Luke 11, starting with verses 5 and 6. And he said to them, which of you... Who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, friend, lend me three loaves. Right? Why? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and have nothing to set before him. Now let's establish a little bit of context here because this would be really odd for us to do this. Right? We probably wouldn't go to a friend. We'd go to the 24-hour store and go get, if somebody showed we probably wouldn't have friends, very many friends, and some of you go, no, I got a friend like that that shows up at midnight. Now, I, I don't have a lot of friends that would do that, but, you know, you might have friends that might show up at midnight. This actually, just in the context here, in this first century in a Jewish village, first of all, a small Jewish village, there wouldn't have been shops that they could have gone to anyway, right? That wouldn't have been there. Most likely, no shops whatsoever as far as like, oh, I just want to go get my bread, 
Um, people would also, they would just make their bread for that day. So every morning, one of the first things that they would do is they'd make their bread for that day, which I thought, man, I wish I would have known that last week. That is a, what a great little thought there you could add into, give us this day our daily bread. They would literally do that quite often. This is our daily bread. This is what we need for today. It was also not unheard of to travel after dark. So to avoid the heat of the day, quite often they would travel once it got dark. And this would actually be a regular thing. People might show up at midnight, and since they didn't have electronic messages to send, you probably wouldn't be able to say, hey, I'm on my way, or I'll be there in 10 minutes, right? And they would just show up. And it's also, there was a requirement for hospitality that we don't have quite the same degree of today. Because of the way things were, there weren't hotels. I know that a lot of you go, yeah, but wasn't there an inn that was a completely different situation in Bethlehem? There wasn't regular hotels where people could say, this is where I could stay. People would depend on people in villages to offer some measure of hospitality for them to survive a road trip. And so this friend, he knew somebody in this town. He came to it. This actually isn't as weird of a story as we might think it is. But there's a sense of humor here because I'm sure that, number one, most of the people hearing this would have experienced some version of this, right? And so when you've gone through things like this, if you've gone through things in your own life, you go and you hear about it going on with somebody else, you're like, yeah, I've been there. I know what that's like. Okay? So there's meant to be a little bit of humor here. And so if you could read it with that. In fact, I, w- I couldn't help but think that the guy, okay, so you got the two guys, right? right? You got three people involved, right? You got the guy that's traveling, right? You got the guy that is how he goes to his house. And you got the guy who goes to the other house and knocks and tries to wake up and says, I need some bread. Now, in my mind, I imagine that the guy that was over here and was like, I'm out of bread, I, in my head, I feel like his, he ran his home very efficiently. I could be wrong. I'm making all this up. But I feel like he could have been one of those guys, like, or, or his wife, the family, they said, we, I mean, they'd gotten it down to a science. My mom is actually great at this. Like, when she makes a meal, like, I can remember my, my wife, when she first started, you know, we were dating, and she'd come over. Like, my, my mom would lay out the, the food, and my wife would be like, that is not enough food. Because, and I, I knew why she feels that way now, because now I've gone to some later meals, and there's a lot of food. They're like, we're making a pot, right? And, and, but my mom would make this amount of food, and, and you, you, sometimes you look at it and you go, is this going to be enough food? And it was always exactly the right amount, which I know you're probably looking at me going, I find it hard to believe, Matt. It was. I wasn't like this till later, Okay. So she would have exactly right. So imagine that this household was very efficient, very frugal. Like if they needed four loaves today, they made four loaves. That's all they, exactly the right amount. And I imagine the kids would get to the end of the day and like, I I need one more slice of bread. And that was all that was left, a slice of bread. And so I have a feeling in my mind, this guy was very efficient and frugal. I could be wrong. In my head, that's how it plays out. I also feel like this guy was the kind of guy that he's going to do the right thing. And if hospitality was expected, he was willing to swallow whatever level of pride he had to make sure that was going to happen. And that's why we see the story playing out the way that it does. How is this other friend going to respond? In my head, I feel like this is the friend, this, this, this was the harmlessest, making just enough bread for the day. The Lathrop's over here. We'll make 20 loaves today. (laughs) Right? So he's got plenty of leftover bread. And I have a feeling this guy knew, you know what? If anybody's going to have some extra bread, my buddy, 
Dwayne. <laughs> we'll have some more bread. So what's this friend going to do? The friend then responds. He will answer from within. You know, so you knock on the door. He doesn't even get up. He answers, don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, you might go, what are the kids doing with them in bed? That, these houses many times were a one-room building. And quite often they had one sleeping area. And when you got to bed, and so what's being implied here is this, this, guy, this guy is going, okay, for me to get you bread, it's not just me getting up. Everybody's going to get up. And if you got little ones, is that a good thing? <laughs> like, in fact, usually once you get them down, you're like, just stay down. <laughs> Please sleep. Right? So here you have this situation is played out, and this guy's like, I cannot get up. The door's shut. My children are in bed. And so to get up would be to get everybody up. And so this guy, I imagine saying it loud enough that he hopes his friend can hear outside of the door but quiet enough not to wake everybody just yet, like the knock. <sighs> okay, they're still sleeping. Don't bother me. What's wrong with you? Now, it's important before we continue, and we'll find this out with the rest of the text. The comparison that we are to make here is not between the guy in the house being like God. Some of us read this parable, and that's what we think. And we feel like we're disturbing God when we, I need something. I want you to know that from the text, the comparison that is meant to be made is not over here. In fact, the comparison for this guy is meant to be what is called a lesser, greater comparison. What you're actually going to see before this text is over is that God isn't like this guy. He's greater. And he's, you're never going to catch him sleeping. You're never going to catch him when he's finally sat down. You're not going to bother him. That's the comparison there. But Jesus is wanting us to make a comparison over here that the way this guy is is how we ought to be. Remember the question was, how do we pray? And he said, here's some words. He gave some examples. And then he went right from that to this. He gives this story. And you praying ought to be a little bit like this guy right here. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't know if I would have the audacity to go knock on the door at midnight. I'm more the type that would have been told this guy and said, I don't have any bread. You're going to have to wait till the morning. Even if I would have known there would have been a requirement in that culture, the best thing, the best option would be to show that hospitality to my traveler. There's a certain element, especially if this guy is the frugal guy that I think he could be, that made just enough bread for today. He's also the guy that, man, he always has everything where it's supposed to be. Everything is in its place. And this has thrown him for a loop. And he hopes this guy can meet the need. And he's not ashamed to do whatever it takes to get this taken care of. Jesus goes on to say after this, and he's going to start, the very next verse is going to start with an I tell you, or some versions say I say to you. And this I tell you or I say to you is what 
Luke usually includes of Jesus' words when Jesus moves from parable to explanation. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, this is where, by the way, my study derailed. Okay? Into a rabbit trail of thought. What does this mean? He doesn't just do it because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence. Some versions say persistence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, I'm going to delve into this first. This is going to require a little bit of thought. The, the train is starting to derail right here. Okay, the train of thought. It's, get, it's getting ready to go off the track. We're still on the tracks for a little bit longer. It threw me off first because he's not his friend. And so I had some help from looking at these commentaries and realizing that the comparison is not here. Because that, that'd be weird to think, well, God's not our friend, right? Can you see why that would not be a good comparison? And so we're gonna, but we're going to see that in a few verses later. We're not to that thought yet. And so I was able to mentally set that to the side. There was still another word in here. I thought, what does this mean? And it's that word, impudence. Impudence that word, the English word, doesn't quite carry the right meaning here. When I think of impudence, I usually include an element of disrespect, and there's not a trace of that in this word. This word, the Greek word that's translated impudence here, comes from a word that carries along this idea of a lack of shame. Shameless. It also carries along with it this idea of boldness, shameless boldness, or bold shamelessness, however you'd like to say it. This is where my train started to derail. Daryl Bach, one of the commentaries I read, said this, is a hard word to translate into English, for it refers to a combination of boldness and shamelessness, which I already told you. Thus, the stress is not on persistence of repetition or of the request as much as it is on the boldness or nerve of the request. This petitioner has gall. Now, I started, something started forming in my mind. Something I think and I believe is so so very important when we think about this concept of prayer. Let me give the rest of this quote. He's willing to go to great lengths and to suffer great rebuke if need be, right, to get the bread so that he could be a good host. It takes nerve to wake up the neighbor and possibly his whole family. In the middle of the night, the host drives his neighbor to a desperate response. Here this Durbach is capturing something, this meaning of this word. Now, I'm going to take you on a little journey on how this played out in my study. Yesterday, as I do quite often, I talk to my wife about where I'm at in the study and the process, and we had a discussion on this word, shameless. And it's interesting because the idea of shameless, something being shameless, there's two ways you could take that. One, it could mean the person doesn't have any shame when they're doing it, and that's typically what we think of. But the word can also carry across the idea of not the how the... Like it disregards how the person feels, and it's focusing just on the act itself. It's a shameless act, right? 
It's an act that some people could look at, and well, if they're not feeling ashamed, they should feel some. Right? Like, aren't you embarrassed to be doing this? <laughs> In some sense, what Jesus is conveying here is that our approach to God is bold. But he clearly wants us to do that. In fact, where he's going to go after this is that he's going to say, you're going to find that God is not like the neighbor, where he's going to say, don't bother me. You're going to find something very different. When he gets to that part, something very different. But he's still talking about the disciple. There ought to be a bold shamelessness in our entering into the presence of God. I think if I try to enter into this guy's mentality, what this guy would have felt, it helps me start to comprehend where this person is at. This is not about personal need. This guy is just saying, if I'm going to be a good host, i got to do something. Here's my option. And I don't care how embarrassing it is. I don't care if I hear about it for the next three weeks. Oh, did you hear about, you know, Bill, he, you know, forgot to have the, you know, food. He didn't have enough bread for his buddies, you know, when they came in. And he's like, he doesn't care. But his goal is this. I, I don't care what people may think. I'm coming to where I can find the need to be met. And Christ is encouraging us to do this very thing. Now, my train and my thought process is com completely off the tracks at this point when I was preparing there's a whole other second part of this sermon that I finally, this morning, I said, save it for next week. Because I realized in this moment, I realized two important things. One is this, okay? This is my notes. I'm just going to tell you. I've been chewing on this all morning. Um, We've got a lot of people in here. This is very much, I believe, an answer to prayer but also a result of something else. We talked about this a little bit Wednesday night. Who would agree that there's things in our culture that are shifting? Yeah? Who would agree and say there's a lot of it that's shift, shifting away from God? One of the things when, when we first came here, one of the, one of the things I, I, I kind of had stripped away, like we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this, and as a small church, when we were together, we kind of started focusing on what, what, what do we need to focus on? What do we, in fact, a prayer that we used to pray all the time was, Lord, let us be whatever kind of church you want us to be. That was the prayer. That was literally what we would say. And one of the things that started to develop out of that was this focus on, regardless of whatever else we do, we need to preach the word of God. The word of God needs to be presented through, through preaching, through, through sermon, right? But any type of teaching that we do, there's this, this is God's revealed word. Let's hang on, hang every, put all of our eggs in this basket of like what we're going to do, right? We're all trusting in Christ, but what it come, when it comes to what kind of church we're going to be, let's put it all right in there. A couple years ago when things really started to break down, you guys remember that? Like oh, COVID was hitting, remember that? And then COVID hit and then everybody in the world went crazy. Do you remember that? <laughs> right? And I don't know if you remember, but there was this polarizing effect, and we still have the remnants of it today. There's some people that went over here, and some people went over here. We experienced that very directly within this church. And we had some people. And from that, it solidified, and I want you to know this is very personal. Um, 
as I was wrestling through that, because the person specifically I, I was meeting with, talking to, and discussing, and trying to understand, where are you coming from? I, I didn't want, I, I'm not this type that wants to break fellowship. And I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with it. And one of the things that folded out of this, as that went this way, and I just went back to, Lord, what, what, are, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? I know, I, I know I'm going to be honest. I know some of you are like, that never enters your mind. You're like, no, I'm doing the right thing, and I know it. You better get in line. Okay? I'm not like that. I question myself. Am I, am I really doing what you want me to do? And just wrestled, wrestled, wrestled. And one of the things that came from that is a refocus on, okay, God, I, there's so many things I can't do, but th this one thing I'm going to do to the best of my ability, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing this. And I want you to know that from the moment that I did that till today, this church looks really different. And I can't help but think that many of you that have ventured in here in some way, shape, or form, are looking for the same thing. This world's crazy. We want something solid. And this is the, one of the things that we're bringing to the table. This is what we're going to hang on every word. We're going to soak it up. We're going to milk it for every ounce of truth it has. We're going we're to dig into it and dig it. We're going to mine it like miners digging for gold. We're going to do everything we can in this word. But I felt that there was something still missing. I'm haven't told anybody this. Something's still missing. I always felt like there was additional pieces to the puzzle. And I was, I would say over the last maybe four or five weeks, I've been struck in my spirit about what that thing is. And it's prayer. I'm going to confess to you, I'm not a man of prayer the way I know I ought to be. And God has been working on me. And when I got to this point in the sermon and I got to this shameless boldness, the only thing I could think was, I'm not doing that the way I ought to be. I treat God sometimes like he's going to end up being like that neighbor. And some of you are like, I don't care. I'll knock on the door. Give me some bread, dude. I'm not like that. If, if I think I'm going to bother you, I'm going to try to figure out something else first. It really works on me. And I realized when I was reading this, I've been treating God like he's like that. And yet Christ, when he was asked, how do we pray? After he went through the Lord's Prayer, he turned around and went right to this, and he said, also, don't forget this key part, too. When you're doing this, be shamelessly bold. My train is derailed in my process, but I want to share with you why I've struggled. Can I do that for just a moment? I'm going to share some scriptures with you, and it's going to be, for you, some of you it's going to feel like a hodgepodge of things, but I want you to know there, there's a connecting element in here that I'm working through, and so I'm working through it. If you're okay with it, I'm going to work through it verbally, out loud with all of you in the room. Can, you, can I do that? Okay. There's something I believe about God. This verse captures who he is. 
Our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. I want you to know, I believe and love our sovereign Lord of the universe that opens every flower every morning, right? That continues to cause my breath to go in and out. I believe that God does everything. I believe this is one of the reasons why God has never, he's never frustrated God. I don't know how it all works together, but I know that this God does all that he pleases. He is in absolute, complete, sovereign control of this universe. And when we get to the very end, we will all look back and we'll go, perfect. It was perfect. Every, what we saw is down and up and everything else. It all, the, the whole thing. It'd be like watching a, a painter, and sometimes you're watching a, you ever watch Bob Ross painting, and sometimes you're like, he's just splattering paint, and then all of a sudden you're like, it's a tree. That's, I think that's what we're going to do. We get to the end, we're going to look back, and we're like, like we're in it. We're like, God, God, what are you doing? You're just splattering stuff everywhere. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. I think we're going to get one day, and we're going to go, oh, that was perfect. Every tiny splatter of paint that we thought was chaos was perfect. And I love that about God. I've, I've, I've embraced it, okay? Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven on earth and seas and all deeps. He's gonna do exactly, and I, I don't read these like he's vindictive or, I, I look at it as the way you'd see a completely innocent child, like just what, what they're doing, and they just love. And God, in all of his goodness, does all that pleases him, and it's all going to work out perfectly. But then I read things that I go, how does this, what about this praying thing? Right? And some of you are like, I I know, I I don't get what you're saying. I'm telling you right now, this is Matt. I trust him, and I'm like, you do what you, you got this. Why would I ask? Sometimes I'm like, why would I even, you know what you're doing? But I can't get away from texts like today's. Jesus, who, as God in the flesh, on his way to the cross, prayed a prayer that doesn't make sense completely in my head. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as... I will, but as you will. He still brought that request to his father. Part of me goes, why did he do that? Why did he make that request? Surely he knew. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 2, men of Israel, this is Peter speaking, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, but that happened according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. So what, Jesus surely knew this, why? Acts 4, Peter again praying, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, speaking to the Father, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand 
and your plan had predestined to take place. This was God's plan. Acts 3.18, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. He said it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And yet right in the middle of it, I hear my Savior saying, Lord, if it's possible. I've tended to look at things this way, like Daniel. This is actually Nebuchadnezzar speaking. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. This is where Matt Harmless lands most often. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? I tend to land there quite often. But yet, I can't get away from the fact that over and over and over again throughout the scriptures, people cried out to him and he answered. There must be not a problem with the text, but a problem with me. There must be, within the scope of God's sovereign control of this universe, space, room, for us to cry out to our Father for Him to answer, not just for us to waste our breaths. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this is what captured me this week. What have, we been, what have I been focusing on here? Apostles' teaching, right? To fellowship. We've been trying to do that. Oh, fellowship, We're trying to do some more of that. We're trying to do that with our little... Like, that's an important part of this. Breaking of bread. We're going to do that in a little bit. Look, it's right over there. It's already broken, though. And the prayers. And I found in myself this last week that as one of the pastors of this church, one of the things that if we are going to... Now, you know what? God may intervene in this country and turn everything around. Hope so. But if you're a student of history, you know that sometimes it doesn't play out that way. And if we as a church are going to survive whatever may come... I think with this and this fellowship and this breaking of the bread, one of the things that I need to do and you need to do is right there, pray. And for me, it's a, it feels like a shameless boldness because I sit here and I go, but you're the sovereign Lord of the universe. Who am I to ask you for anything? And yet he still calls us to do it so there must be i've got to come my first step of doing this and is me admitting matt you don't have it all figured out because in some way god calls us and then he answers he answers now glimpse into next week before i wrap up this week there's more to this. So, in fact, the very next verse is going to be a verse that I think is going to help us comprehend how we do this and how it ties together. It's ask and you will receive, seek and you find, knock. There's a whole bunch of stuff right in there. But I, I, I knew this morning, I thought, I can't go there yet. I've got to start with this first step, and I want to encourage you, ask you to do it with me. To wherever you're at in your prayer life. Now, some of you may be 
a billion miles beyond me with your prayer life. Thank you, Lord, that there's people like that here. I want to learn from you. But if you're at all like me and you find that it doesn't happen, or maybe it only happens like me, like I talked about in Sunday school when my car broke down, and suddenly I've become a very much a praying person. My car's broke down. <laughs> Lord, please. If you're like me and you're struggling with that, let this be for you, hopefully for you as it was for me this week, a encounter with God for him to say, are you being shamelessly bold in your prayer? Because Jesus tells his disciples that's how we ought to do it. They were devoted to it in the early church. The early preachers of the gospel said, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's those two things, right? Psalm 3, 4. I wanted to share with you a few verses that I'm going to have to dwell on this week for myself to try to grapple with it. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. That one, that one was helping me already. I, I, grabbed, I said, that's, that's what it feels like to me. Like I'm crying out to him and he's up on his holy hill. That's what it feels like for me. But even if that's somewhat accurate, the, the psalmist says, I cried aloud and he answered me from his holy hill. So if I feel down here and he feels up there, I'm good with that. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my... Anybody have fears? Oh, raise your hand. Some of you are like, I'm afraid to raise my hand. <laughs> fears? Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord. And it's the same God. Right? Didn't we sing that this morning? Moses, when he cried out to the Lord, was that a different God than we're crying out to? No. Has he changed? No. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. We need to be crying out to our Father in heaven. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I'll put the little last little nail in my own personal coffin. Daryl Bach, again, this commentary God used in a big way in my heart this week. He says, answer to prayer is not... Run and I, This is embarrassing to admit. Answer to prayer is not wrung out of the Father with much effort like water from a towel. And maybe, maybe all of you are going to... I'm going to tell you this, and all of you are going to go, oh, I don't even know if he can be our pastor anymore. But I, I feel that way sometimes when I pray. I feel like I'm wringing out a towel and like, like, like I got to try to, and, but then I gave up on that. Like, well, I'm not going to do that anyway. He's sovereign and does all he pleases. And so why, but, but there's this act in, in my head. And Daryl Bach, I felt like he was talking. He's like, you know, prayer, answer to prayer, answer to prayer. Isn't that, that's not how it works. It's not wrung out of God the way to wring water out of a towel. He gives willingly. Disciples are to make their requests boldly to God. They have access to God and are to make use of it. I was smote when I read that. <laughs> are to make you. I have not been making you. What a bold, amazing thing. 
not making use of it. One view of God, and then I thought Daryl Bach was just playing with me. One view of God says that God knows what the disciple needs and is sovereign, so disciples should not bother him, rather just let him do his will. How did he know that? But Jesus' parable stresses the need to approach God boldly with requests. This communication with God is part of the right of the right disciples have because of their relationship with God. We are his sons because of what Christ has worked for us. Did Christ, what he worked for us, was that costly? What did it cost? Go ahead. His life. We talked about this morning that that death, burial, resurrection, when Christ cried from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite theologians says, that, that is the cry of the damned, so that not one of us has to cry that way. And here we are, Christ, forsaken by God in that moment, taking your sin, my sin on himself, bore the full penalty of that, the wrath of God, and feeling forsaken by the Father, cries out, but then defeats death and is risen again. And one of the many benefits we have because of that is that we can boldly enter into the throne room of grace, the holiest of holies, that veil torn, and speak to our Father. And yet I don't do it very often and not nearly as much as I should or even could any time application quickly before we devote ourselves to the apostles teaching to our fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer I thought I would give a couple suggestions of what I'm going to try to do Okay? I need to be real practical with my suggestions on these things. Um, I already shared this one, devoted themselves. I think we need to be devoted to doing this. And so one of the things I'm going to try to do, I want to encourage you to do the same thing, um, prayer requests. You ever go th- scroll through Facebook or somebody sends you a text or you get, and somebody says, could you pray for this? Here's one of the things I'm going to try to do to devote myself to prayer. The moment I read it, I'm going to pray right then. I was going to ask if you guys would consider trying to do the same thing. Would you guys consider doing that with me? Let's, let's try to do that this week. Just, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of questions I have about praying and, and how we ask and all this, but I'm going to start right here. And just when some requests happen, I get some, I'm going to just go right there. Now, if you feel really bold, let me, I've done this one a few times. I, I remember there's a pastor who used to do this, and I always loved it, so I've, I try to do it sometimes. But somebody will be talking to me, and they'll go, I've got this request. And I'll go, I'll just stop right then and there and say, can I pray with you right now for that? That's shamelessly bold, right? I want to do that one a little bit more just to work myself into that that feeling of being shamelessly bold. I want to feel like that guy that's like, I got to get the bread for the the friend. I'm going to go knock on this guy's door. The guy's wife is probably saying, you can't do that, you're going to wake him up. His kids are asleep. I know, but we got to have bread. 
I want to feel that tension of being shamelessly bold. I think we need to be constant in this. Some things that I already do, I, I pray when I get up. I'm going to keep doing that. When you read, your, read the word in the morning, pray. I want to encourage you guys this week, if you're not doing that, man, start. Take that time. Read, read the word. Allow that to fold into prayers as you're reading and you, you feel that moment to say, Lord, what does this mean? Just do that right there. God's not like, no, you haven't finished the verse. In those moments, let that pour into a natural relational prayer. Some of you, that's how you talk with each other anyway. I always let people finish their sentences first. <laughs> but some of you are like, wait, hold up. What did you say? What's the... Have that kind of, he's talking to you and he opens up the door for you to talk to him, to be shamelessly bold, like right in the middle of, this, Lord, what does this mean? Allow things to work in you and remind you to pray. Every time you have something that you're grateful for, say it. That's one of the things I'm going to try to do this week. Mean it. Pray before you go to bed. Pray before you eat. Thank God for the food. I almost didn't say that one because we were talking about this last night. I didn't say that because of my children. This is in the notes already, guys, I promise. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, I'm going to shift gears, leaving that before you. I've shared with you my heart. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to be working on this week. I would ask you to pray for me. I will pray for you. Pray that God will work in your pastor to be a man of prayer. I hope I'm a man of the word. Pray that God would allow me to become a man of prayer. If you guys could pray that for me. I want to be shamelessly bold in my prayer and so if you guys could pray that me i will be praying that for you what a church we will have that's devoted to the word of god and to prayer praying for each other praying for our city praying for our county praying for our state praying for our country crying out to the father who's invited us in Um, for those of you that are new and doing communion with us, the way we usually do this is I'm going to come up here, I'm going to pray for the bread and the cup, and then after I'm done praying, I think somebody will play some music. Jeff? Surprise! Um, uh, somebody play some quiet music? Is that all hum? I could hum. No. Um, after I'm done praying, when you're ready... And let's, since it's over here, if you just want to make your way around, go up that aisle, grab a cup. The cups will be in the silver dishes, and the bread is in this little tray. Grab a cup, some bread, have a seat, hold on to it. Once everybody has gone through, or I think everybody has, then I'll lead you through the rest, okay? Um, and then we're going to do that together as a family as we take the bread and we take the cup. I would encourage you, if 
after you come and get your bread and cup, as you come back and sit down, I mean, and most of you know this, what a, that's a wonderful opportunity with the music going. I mean, they were just human beings. It's easy to, in those moments, really get into that moment and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to start praying right now. I'm going to start praying right now. Okay? So let me pray for this bread and this cup, and then we'll let you come up and get it. Heavenly Father, I would just ask now before we do this last step of our service today, Lord, we're attempting to follow in the footsteps of generations of Christians before us who have devoted themselves to these very things. Lord, to the reading of the word, the apostles' teaching, the, Lord, the, the, the preaching, the, the study. But Lord, also to fellowship together. Lord, we're praying that you'll do that with us. But Lord, we're also doing this this morning to follow in that tradition that you set out for us yourself to do this to remember you. Lord, I pray that you would bless this bread and this cup as we partake today. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.
Paul the Apostle writes, 1 Corinthians, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, Lord, we thank you, Father, for this bread. He broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way also after supper he took the cup he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes Heavenly Father, I would ask now as we leave this building, leave this room, Lord, I ask for your blessing on us today. Lord, I pray that you would work in us, Lord, hearts that will be crying out to you through this week. Lord, I pray that you begin to work as well as we look to the rest of this passage on how we are to ask, Lord, the way we do these things. Lord, I pray that you'd open up our hearts, our minds to understand and to discern what the will of the Lord is. But Lord, as for right now, just let us come shamelessly bold into your presence to ask and make these requests known to our Heavenly Father who graciously loves us.